So are we talking specifically about social media like Instagram or are we talking about like photography, right? Photography is popular here, but in terms of like candid and street photography, it's actually not that popular. Or my personal advice to anyone that wants to get better at photography, just dive more into like what interests Hello, fellow photographers. In this episode, I'm talking with Ulysses Aoki and we are talking about his style, photography in Japan, where he takes inspiration from and much more. My name is Martin and this is podcast about photography. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. Make sure you're subscribed if you want to be notified when I post a new episode. And also, there is one thing I would love you to do. I would be very thankful if you could go and give this podcast 5 star rating and a review. If you like this content and you think other people might like it as well, feel free to take a screenshot and throw it out on your Instagram story or share it with your friends. All the information can be also found in the description. Now, without any further ado, Let's talk about photography. My guest today is an award-winning photographer, model, and fan of metal, Ulysses Aoki. Hello, Ulysses. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining. Hi, Martin. Hi, everyone. Thanks for a sec- thanks for inviting me to to talk on this podcast. Thank you. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Uh, when I was visiting Japan, I noticed something. I saw a lot of people with cameras on streets. Uh, like there are big stores, uh, there are big stores like Yorubashi camera, big camera. So I guess that means there is a demand for cameras, right? So why is photography so popular in Japan? What do you think about it? <clears throat> That's a good question, and I also think that like worldwide public perception. Of Japan is also that photography is popular here and I think when you live here though it's it do, it's not actually as popular as it might seem a lot of it like the what you mentioned Yodawashi camera uh, big camera those places cater a lot towards um, tourists actually <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. so um, tourists that come um, to Japan are interested in buying cameras um, in those places because a lot of the camera makers are Japanese, right? Fujifilm, Olympus, well, they're kind of dead, but you know, Nikon, Canon, <laughs> Sony, they're all they're all Japanese actually. Um, not that they make them in Japan anymore, I mean, the majority of them, but so, so that's that. But also I think um, photography is like widely understood as a hobby here, uh, but more on like the casual, and commercial end um i'm 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 more of a candid photographer and uh, i consider myself an art photographer whatever that means right but but less people on that end i would say so it depends on the genre and depends on how you see things but yeah yeah because from my point of view uh it seems like uh you know a lot of people are interested that uh, in that because when i you know uh, japan has so many uh, like famous photographers brilliant photographers maybe uh, the most in the world like per capita let's let's say but also when i look mm. at uh, the random uh, instagram of japanese photographers they seem much more i would say curated than the regular one i can't speak for other countries but uh, definitely more than in let's say czech republic hmm interesting i've i've never thought of it like in a per capita kind of way. So maybe you're right. Um, 
at the same time, I think Japanese like photography is has its own kind of like space. It's kind of weird. Like it's more of a storytelling uh, tool here rather than like um, rather than being it an art piece or rather than being it too technical. I think, which is also an interesting thing to I think talk about here or somewhere else sometime. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're currently based in Tokyo, right? Uh, so when I yeah. think about uh, not only famous Japanese photographers who took or are taking pictures in Tokyo, majority of them shoot in black and white, right? So why did you pick color? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and people still do shoot mainly in black and white. It's it's really interesting. Um, I I would say the quick answer is because everyone's shooting in black and white and I, you know, I see things in color. Um, I just thought that, well, I'll shoot in color, but the longer discussion is that, um, especially in Tokyo, what I realized, um, after shooting for a while is that it's quite, well, this is obvious. You don't have to realize it over a few years, but you know, it's a quite a noisy uh, place in terms of, um, you know, you have ads everywhere and you have, these not so satisfying colors of concrete and weird spots of green and people wearing like in a good way, but wearing it, anything they want. Um, and it's in that sense, it's kind of a diverse place and it's very compact and smashed together. <clears throat> what that creates is again, a lot of um, noise, both in terms of color and in terms of um, elements within the frame, I think. And I was talking to um, a member of Void, members of Void Tokyo, which is a small um, photography collective, um, mainly in Tokyo. Uh, one guy, Tatsuo Suzuki, um, he's pretty popular these days. Also, Ashinya um, Kaoto, he's he's really good too. They were both saying they shoot in a similar way, I would say, black and white, gritty, you know, kind of in your face. Ash, somewhat less than Tatsuo-san, but, and they were saying that. Um, yeah, they use black and white because there's so much noise in Tokyo that the color is just not pleasing. So it helps them reduce, um, you know, focus more on the subject that they're shooting. Um, and one reason for this is also because they are more subject intensive photographers. And if you look into popular or historically famous um, photographers in Japan, a lot of them shoot black and white. A lot of them are extremely subject focused. Like, you know, look at this person or, you know, yeah. documenting what's what's going on. Um, so black and white works. Uh, so why do I shoot in color, I guess, is uh, I, I guess um, I wanted to just find out how I can shoot better color in this place. Um, I think with, with me, well, I'm speaking English right now, meaning, well, in a way, and I look different. So my father's American um, and I'm. You know, although I've, I'm born in Japan and I've lived here most of my life, I, I think I'm able to have that kind of outsider perspective and, and see and understand what might work for me myself. And I was interest, heavily interested in color photography, you know, the, the most easy answer being like Soul Lighter, but for me more like Ernst Haas, uh, Georgi Pinkasov, um, those people really inspire me with their color photographs. So I was thinking of what I can do um, within my strength um, and what what kind of, I would say, like, 
how color photography can be, perhaps, <laughs> in Tokyo. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still exploring that. But yeah, that was kind of my mentality to focus on color. Yeah, and I was wondering if it was maybe because I I know or you said somewhere that before you started with street photography, you also did portraits, right? Yeah. And uh, like environmental portrait is something I would say is kind of, it feels kind of close to street photography, like the subject in the environment. Was that something Very true. Um, that was why you later started with street photography? Or was it unrelated? <clears throat> I would say that's related. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you as you briefly mentioned um, in the introduction, I, I've been a fashion model here for like I'm I'm 28, but like 20 years. I've been doing it since I was a kid, and you know I, I'm not that active now. I have a few gigs, and that's it. Getting old, you know. But <laughs> and and so what what actually brought me to the camera was was um, fashion work. Um, And I guess because I had a bunch of friends in in modeling uh, agencies and they're like, they, they, you know, we all need photographs. So I was like, hey, I'll buy a camera and take photos of my friends and I, I can help them. And maybe it can help me learn about um, photography and, and, and how I can portray myself um, on the receiving end of the lens. Right. But <clears throat> as I was taking photos of friends, you know, organizing shoots like maybe like once a week or so. I, I noticed that it's like, hey, I li actually like taking photos. And honestly, I don't care if I'm in them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to learn photography more. And, and first of all, I just wanted to shoot more, which is like, okay, so how do you shoot more? One, you don't, you don't, you know, have, if you don't have to organize something <laughs> all the time, then it makes your life easier. So I was like, okay, I'll just get my camera and walk on the streets and see what happens, right? And that's kind of how um, I, I fell into uh, this this deep void of uh, <laughs> street photography. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's because kind for of how me, I as for uh, foreigner, Japanese people sometimes seem to be reserved in public, and I was wondering how does this pair with a, a confrontational. Uh, kind of because street photography can be confrontational sometimes, right? So I was wondering if uh, you know, first of all, how how does it feel? Not how does it feel, but how does it impact people being photographed? Uh, and how is it for a photographer if you had to overcome something like this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, let's see. I think a few years ago, especially when I was still kind of learning photography and understanding different ways of shooting, um, you know, and when I was looking at, you know, especially people like Bruce Gilden, then you you, you kind of want to try out his his uh, way of shooting first, which I kind of did. Um, but yeah, I, I think as I kind of understood more of what I want to take photographs of, but also who I am, um, you know, walking in the streets, it, for hours and miles and miles pretty much every day you start realizing who you are a little bit more <laughs> when you know in, in a public situation and you know i learned i relearned that i'm i'm not a confident person and i'm pretty timid i would say um so so that was kind of both an excuse and um but also an understanding of my style of photography where 
I was like, okay. And, and even the photographs that I like aren't really that confrontational. It's like maybe, you, you know, some photographs that I take, maybe there's a person really close, but honestly, it's not about that person. It's more about what's happening in the scene. And it's more about, you know, the, the, the feel and the color and what's, what's going on in terms of like the patterns and the geometry. Um, and I think that translated well, um, all the time when I take photos, like people seem like they're not, they don't seem that confronted when I take photos of them up close, for example. Um, and that's probably because of the mentality that I have, um, when I'm taking a photograph where it's like, I'm not pointing the camera at them and saying, got the shot. I I'm, I'm looking into the entire scene and both in a sad way, kind of using them as elements within a frame, right? That's also a sad thing to say. But, but that's also a uh, way of, uh, you know, taking photos, right? Do you think it, it might be mm -hmm. even easier for photographers because people might be or might hesitate to, you know, confront you or to say, hey, you took a, a photo of me maybe more than in, I don't know, other countries in the world? I would say to an extent, yes. And, but what also complicates this is because I look different <laughs> in Japan and, you know, um, cause I'm not fully Japanese. So people, I'm assuming, um, some people might, um, feel not, not like strange in an odd way, but kind of surprised in a way where it's like, what is this guy doing? And <laughs> why, why is he roaming around with the camera? So it's like, it's more of a general puzzlement than than i think people feeling confronted by me so that because that also plays an equation i can't really say for everyone but but i think as you said yeah generally people in japan are more shy um in a public situation so there would be less confronting um yeah so uh, on the scale of style where on one end we have like I don't know, I would say like a fishing where you stand at one point and looking for the subject to enter like a mousetrap or something when we talk about mm. these theories and yep. on the other uh, where we have this uh, into your face photography. Um, so you are somewhere like in the middle, you would say, or you, you tried you, you tried them all. Yeah, I'd say I tried both spectrums heavily like I tried with like flash really up close with 28mm um, and but also you know I've used longer lenses zoom lenses um, and now I'm kind of in between right now but also like yeah in terms of like fishing versus you know going after a certain subject I think um, I still kind of do both honestly um, but I, what I learned especially through the pandemic is that um These also these are also um, heavily reliant on social socioeconomic situations where you as a I think as a candid photographer you need to adapt to to what the world provides you right right now you know if there's a pandemic going on and people are quarantining indoors what's the point of of going after an interesting subject in an empty street in New York right it's never going to happen so like in that sense maybe not even fishing but you need to look at more um, different subjects, not maybe not human subjects. You need to focus on different elements. Um, and that's something that I'm also learning. So it's hard to like put a pin on it for me right now. Um, considering again, the situation, but yeah, yeah middle, 
Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think this so-called uh, aggressive style, this, uh, I would say, into your face, uh, is maybe misunderstood by the public who is not, uh, who is not uh, practicing, I would say, street photography? Because uh, how you mentioned uh, Tatsuo Suzuki, uh, I, if I remember this correctly, there was a little drama about it. But when I thought yeah. about it, Like there are so many photographers shooting like that, like you said also the Bruce Gilden or for example, mm -hmm. Eric Kim is doing that. Yeah. And from the point of photographer, I can probably understand what you want to do with this uh, artistic expression. But also from the point of a pedestrian, I would say, okay, this might be a little annoying, but like two or three minutes in, I would just forget about it. So maybe yeah. when people see a compilation of someone doing this into your face photography might get a wrong idea. Huh. You, you mean, hmm. If this style People... is maybe misunderstood because I, I couldn't quite understand why the drama was the drama. Uh, uh, I see. Because I yeah. thought like, well, this is nothing like, okay, it, it might be like a little annoying, but it's nothing I would be, uh, you know, to to worried about some like you know drop yeah. someone as a brand ambassador or something like that yeah yeah that, so that was a really complicated topic uh, with fuji and tato sang i think um there there's so many layers to that honestly it's hard to kind of deconstruct in a brief conversation but i would say like it also has to do with like again, the perception of photography in Japan, again, photography is popular here, but um, as I slightly mentioned in the beginning, in terms of like candid and street photography, it's actually not that popular or it's not that it's not understood as well, especially when it comes to um, thinking of photography as an art form. That's not not considered that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, when people are taking photos the way they want in a unique way, people freak out. Um, Also, to a degree, honestly, I think, um, you know, Tatsu-san's photos are a lot of the time about like women, for example. And so um, whether or not he is objectifying them, that's open to discussion, I think. But if it seems that way, then then um, it will seem that way to the public eye. So that was also a layer to the issue, I think. But also like there's so many factors to it. Like the video itself was kind of like edited in a weird way. It's like mm -hmm. Tato Sun's a nice person. Like when you, when you, when he's interacting with people on the streets, um, there's a video um, by uh, Samuel Intaro Hop, um, Samuel Street Life. Uh, he did an interview on Tato Sun on his channel a few years ago. And that was totally cool. It's like, he, you know, he, Tato Sun might take a photo of someone really up close, but he would be like, Oh, sorry. Or like, it's like, you know, I interrupted this person's life for a brief moment. So he would apologize okay. and smile, stuff like that. But, but that wasn't portrayed in that promo video. Um, so yeah, it's complicated, right? You gotta, you gotta look at everything. Um, if you're talking about someone like Bruce Gilden too, it's like, his style is made up of just who, who he is and who, how he grew up and, and, and his personality. So it's like, if you, you need to consider that as a factor too. Um, so yeah, there's just so many layers to this. It's hard to express. Um, I don't feel, I personally don't feel like, um, 
I don't I don't have anything against those styles of shooting, but pers- personally, I just don't. I vibe off of people a lot. Okay. <laughs> so like, if I'm taking a photo of someone up close, um, and I can feel that the person is is discomforted in any way, I really I can really feel it really soon. Um, so that's just for me. It's like that style is not for me because that's not who I am. It's I'd I'd be untruthful to myself if I'm if I'm saying that I can I can do this I can do this right. Um, so that's what I learned um, at a personal level. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when when you actually come home from a photo walk, what what happens next? What is your photography process? Either if you uh, have a digital camera or with a film camera. Yeah, I I've been shooting digital for these past um, one and a half or two years or so before that I was shooting everything in film uh, now pretty much all digital um, and maybe the mentality hasn't changed so much from film that I, I kind of leave my files alone for a while <laughs> I honestly I'm not I'm not a person that's very excited about my own photos um, so but I, I feel like that also has its ups too um, where it, it creates more objectivity around the photograph And but also the more time you spend with the photograph, the more objective it becomes. I forgot who said this, but the more time is more objectivity, right? Um, and I think that is for at least for now how I am approaching my photographs. So when I get home, what I do, I don't know. I probably take a shower and <laughs> forget about the camera for a and while. And when the time comes, <laughs> uh, you upload them into like a Lightroom or somewhere. And yeah, in terms of the the hard process there, yeah, I use Lightroom and um, in more detail, I would I would I look at the previews, the thumbnails. This is something I learned um, from Alex Webb. This is something he does too. Is that um <clears throat> yeah, he would just create or you know how in Lightroom you have that preview thing with the small photographs yeah. like that in the grid. I'd look at that and then it I'd start like rating a few photos that catch my eye and then I might do something there with those photos. But so for me, honestly, like I don't do too much post-processing to my photos. Um, you know, v- very basic stuff. Do you but have just like because... your own preset which you use on, you know, majority of your photos or something like that? I kind of do, but all it does is just it's just basically a button that adjusts like black point and, okay. and shadows and that's it so it's like I, I i i don't it's not even a preset and i don't even want to call it that it's to me it's like m- making a nice jpeg preset for me okay and that's it's, that's all it does um yeah i i would say for me um more of the editing process is in the selection mm-hmm. um You know, and I'm, I think I'm able to get exposure and everything correct or how I want it in, in, in camera by this point. And then it's a matter of, you know, you know, my philosophy right now is is that, well, let's say you're you're fidgeting with a photograph and changing the color the way you want it. I think it's totally fine. But for me right now, it's like I've taken enough photographs, honestly, that I want to try to see um, what the world has to offer mm-hmm. comparative to like, 
well, just what would you say, like comparative to kind of forcing my ideals on the world and how I wanted it. It's like if I wanted a photograph, I'd go take it. Yeah. <laughs> so like if I wanted a, I don't know, blue ass, you know, sunset, then I'd go take that blue ass sunset instead of fidgeting with it on the colors. That's just that's just my theory for now. I think if you take enough photos, like, you know, it's you, you can get what you want to an extent. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like I'm not saying that you should shoot everything in JPEG or anything. I'm just saying that, like, I like natural colors and, and, and seeing, again, what the world has to offer. So it's where I'm at right now. Yeah. OK. And uh, so do you believe in like a personal style style when we talk about the outcome? Because when I look at the Instagram, a lot of people seem to believe that posting only in one style is is the best choice. So is it important to you that your photos have, uh, I don't know, like the same, mm. I, I wouldn't say like uh, film imitation, but uh, is it Pretty something sad. you yeah. think about when you're posting on the Instagram? No, this photo looks, uh, you know, much differently than my usual photographs nah <laughs> well, well i think the discussion this discussion here is so are we talking specifically about social media like instagram or are we talking about like photography right i mean some people let's say steve mccurry i would say he has a personal style right uh and then when we talk kind. about let's say martin parr He also has like a personal style and I can hardly imagine them posting something that would be much different than what they photograph. So my question mm. might also be about like a subject, like uh, yeah. if you have something yeah. like, no, I don't take a photo of this because I'm Ulysses Aoki and this is not what I, you know, take a photograph mm. of. I, I think that's a better way of putting it. Um, I, I don't think about that, honestly. Um, if you look at my photos, I take photos of anything, uh, whether it being, um, for me, it's all candid. You know, it's I, I go to a mountain and I take a photo and I think the photo is good. I, I'd post it. People might look at it as, you know, a wild nature, a wildlife photograph. For me, it's all just candid photography. So it doesn't really matter. I think this is, this is what I learned over time is that, um, I don't know about Steve Mercury, Martin Parr, or, or who, but I think it's more about training your eye and um, what you deem and learning about what you're interested in, in as a person and as an artist and, and being able to capture that um, in the photograph. So to me, like maybe, I don't know, Steve Mercury, for example, it's like he's taking photos of what he learned to be good photographs or might turn out to be good photographs or what he likes at a personal level um that that selection of subject matter um is take taking place while he's taking the photo not perhaps um in post-processing or not perhaps and when he's looking into an instagram grid um so i think a lot of the time the good photographers that we're we're, lo we're looking at that's more of a natural selection than than you know than creating a terrible preset And slapping it onto every photograph and then and then you know posting it on instagram obviously you know there, there are people like that you know where it's like they think of their own style and and choose subject matter and um and you know slap presets on to adjust colors so that it looks like their photograph but um my personal advice um 
to anyone that wants to get better at photography. Um, this is because this is something that I've been through too, is, is to, yeah, just, just dive more into like what interests you as a person and just, you know, po if you're thinking about Instagram, just post photos that you think are good and that's it. Like, and the more you take photos, maybe the more concentrated it becomes. Like people look at my photos and say that I have a style and it's like, for me, it's not anything intentional. Um, so you don't try to imprint your identity into your pictures or something like that? No, no, not at all. Um, I Hopefully the photo, it's a good photo. That, <laughs> that's it for me. It's like, <laughs> I'm hoping it's a good photo. Um, and, you know, to an extent, it's something that I can judge, but it's to an extent, it's also something that the public judges, I think. Um, so, yeah, whether that's a photograph of a cute puppy or a <laughs> photograph of something insane with reflections and whatnot, then, uh, you know, yeah. Maybe when we talk about uh, like a photo project to keep keep some kind of style within like mm. one photo project might be might be a good idea. Do uh, do you have Definitely. something like a dream for a project you would like to do in the future? A dream project. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, there's a few things I want to do, um, like out of Japan, honestly. Um, I think, um, oh, I, I think Tokyo is a pretty good place to photograph. But when it comes to like, you know, like intense color photography, it's like the, it's sometimes it's in, impossible to get what you want here <laughs> um, especially when you're thinking of like color and specific lighting situations I think um, and so my my uh, aspiration I think is to go to locations that I deem have better light and better color to see kind of for myself and be able to compare um, how light treats uh, my photographs and how I can respond to the different environments I think um, so nothing crazy. There's one specific place that I do want to go to, though. Um, I, I do want to go to Morocco um, for a project. <clears throat> but um, yeah, that's about it. I, I was intending to go last year, but yeah, so that failed <laughs> because yeah. of the, yeah, pandemic. So uh, are you working on something at the moment or? Right now, I'm, I'm compiling all my Tokyo work um, right now. Are you going to publish think, a book? Uh, hopefully. Um, <laughs> Soon. Sometime. Oh, man. I hope. I, I do have an exhibition coming up in Tokyo in a few months, which is nice. Um, books, man. I mean, I, I do want to make a book, but, you know, it's... it's. I think it's harder than people think. Um, you know, I don't want... Okay, maybe this is a personal preference, but I don't want it to be like a like a zin, like a zin. Time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't want it to be that. I I really want to make a good book. Um, and this is because a lot of the photographs that I think are pretty good are already on Instagram. You know, there's some that I'm hiding, but that's about it. And and you know, what's the what's the value of of a book these days if if you're publishing you know, low quality, you know, normal paper, just, you know, manu like volume manufactured zins. Like I have no beef against them, but for me, it's like, that's not what I want to do. If I'm making a book, I want to make a good story and I want to make it a visual pleasure and physical pleasure to, you okay. know, 
mess around with. So I guess those aspirations also are kind of messing me up because that because that takes a lot of time and you need a good publisher and you need a good book designer. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm always working on it though. You know, I have a bunch of prints at home that, you know, I fiddle with and, and I sequence a lot just for fun. Um, and I, I have my Tokyo stuff is, it is compiled into a project though. Like, um, I have a project, um, that was uh, awarded last year by a Paris uh, International Street Photography Company. I, I forgot the name, but they're all the same, right? <laughs> but uh, there was, uh, there's a specific project that um, I've been working on that was awarded. And it's like, if I'm making a book, it'll be something um, to that, uh, I would say, similar to that um, sequence of images. And you mentioned you have uh, exhibition. Is it hard to, you know, uh, prepare to participate how long does it take what are the was there something like that surprised you like uh i wouldn't think it would be that hard uh, about exhibition yeah so i it's funny i've been pretty lucky these past years where <laughs> people out of japan wanted to ex- exhibit my work so it's like it's been exhibited in a few places but <laughs> without too much work on my end <laughs> honestly <laughs> so actually this time <clears throat> i've done a few like small exhibitions in japan but this is like the first like one that's actually going to be like a solo exhibition in a big gallery and the trouble i guess that i'm figuring out right now is um this is i guess this is a personal preference but i don't want to like frame my my images Yeah, I think fr- framing is is like a big thing. Um, you know how to frame your your pictures. I'm used to framing because I've sold prints with frames before. But what I'm facing right now is um, I think I'm learning that <clears throat> in photography, it seems like the most popular and basic way of, of of framing a photo is you know you have like it's all the same. It's framed the same way. All the images are framed the same way. I guess for consistency, I don't know, or the stereotype of photography compared to art. But you have, I don't know, black frame, white mat, same size throughout the whole gallery. I don't know. It's like that's cool and that's safe. But I kind of want to try out different framing options. Um, but but then because, you know, you go to like a museum of like art, art, you know, like then you, you know, Picasso has. <laughs> a shit ton of gigantic frames with like a bunch of classic frames right and then they're all different they're not all the same they're all different sizes they're all different um you know um aspect ratios and i was just thinking why can't photography do that um but then yeah you you fall into the the the, the problem of well how do you create consistency within that um and how do you at least for me it's like how do i break that perception of what a photography print needs to look like. <laughs> and they help you with um, the production yeah, or you have to bring your own frames? So the gallery does have frames, but again, like, so it's, it's not like kind of at like... the end of the exhibition, they will just, you know, bring you like 50 frames. Here you go. So this gallery, it's not that big. So like they have like 20 frames um, of 
two types of colors that I can choose from. But again, like if I want variety or if I'm if I want to frame them in a different way, then I got to get my own frames. And you bring the um, prints. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would say in most situations, unless you're like a really, really, really famous photographer, then you, you're kind of on your own, I would say. Um, I'm even lucky in the sense that like they're they're they're. There, I don't have to pay for the space because they offered me the opportunity. And I'd say that's even on the lucky end these days. Um, but And do they yeah, pay you I, something I, for that? Or is it more like, okay, so now you have the opportunity to exhibit your work and then you just bring the prints and uh, yeah, or, no, or you get not, commissions from not, like entrance fees or something? Not paid. Um Entrance fees are for like gigantic museums, right? Okay. So it's like if you are getting entrance fees, then you're 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 a baller. But for, <laughs> um, I, I would say in most cases, I don't know. Maybe it's different in different countries, but in Japan, um, usually you got to pay for everything. You got to pay for the space, rent the space out, and you know you got to pay for their printing, got to pay for their framing. So it's a lot of money actually. Uh, but so again, this time they're pretty nice and, and they offered me the space for like a week and a half and, um, offered me frames, which I'm kindly declining because I'm stupid. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but so if you are making any money, then it's usually from, um, selling the, the prints that you're exhibiting. Sometimes the gallery might take a cut, like. I don't know, 50, 50 ah, okay. or something because ah. they help you sell it for some reason. I don't, I don't even know. Um, in this case, I don't think that's, that's it. I think I'm free to sell my own stuff. Another way people try to make money or get some money back at least <laughs> from the ex ex exhibiting is, um, they might sell like a book, um, or, or a zin or, you know, small prints. Like merchandise. Um, yeah, yeah, basically merch. Yeah, and the, the entrance of the gallery um, <laughs> to hopefully get some money back, right? So there's different ways of doing it. Um, yeah, that's interesting. But it's more of a, but it's it's more of a pride thing, isn't it? Honestly, yeah. To, to like, put in the CV, to put in yeah. the resume. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, and the slight hope of someone with some level of notoriety coming into the gallery and and i don't know from magnum hopefully. or someone oh yeah yeah right <laughs> or it's like some i don't know gallerist or art collector um yeah that's I'm uh, not saying yeah. that's what i hope for but generally that's kind of you know being hoped for right okay okay uh so i was wondering where do you take your inspiration from if there's something like that uh, I would say like other arts, like uh, mm. paintings, movies. Yeah, great question. Um, I would say uh, first when I started photography, I was only looking at photographers. But just because I, so I am not a person that came from the art world. <laughs> I had nothing to do with art. Um, I, like I did some modeling and, and that was it. Um, so my entrance to being a creator or being an artist was photography. But, um, yeah, the more I take photos, the more I took photos, I started looking into other artists too, like other outside of um, photography. 
but also, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big music nerd too. And, um, I've learned that I also draw inspiration from that as well. Maybe not too directly, but I learned that, um, there are parallels for like artist artists. Some people I like are like, I like Salvador Dali. I like Dali a lot. Um, also, also um, Magritte, Magritte. Yeah. Um, who else? Yeah. Uh, I really like Monet too. Okay. But um, a lot of it comes from um, Monet, more from the color spectrum of how I see things. Dali and, and uh, Magritte is more of like the sur- I guess the surrealism yeah, and s- symbolism. It might be hard to imitate those types of surreal uh, paintings. It, you know what? It is, but it's funny if you think about it. Like, I think surrealism in photography, like that's actually what you want, but it's just impossible to get it with photography. It's like there, there are no melting clocks, and you know there are no people with faces as apples, right? You can get but, some <laughs> by juxtapositions, right, or something like that. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So it's funny, I think, that um. Man, it's so funny because if you think about it, like street photography and candid photography, it's it's about taking photos of what's available in front of you, right? But when you're thinking of like, ju- but there's so, there's such a big trend around juxtapositions right now and like humor, I think, in in street photography. But it's funny if you think about it, and it's like, so we want something otherworldly, anyways, and that's what we're aspiring to take. But we're trying to do it in the real world without, without like Photoshop or without setting things up. So it's funny. It's like you want something out of this world, but you're setting limitations for yourself to take photos of it within the yeah. the reality. So it's super funny, I think. Um. So for me, um, you know, I I am a Canon photographer, but but I don't know. It's it's not it's not you know impossible to draw inspiration from from those people just because uh, there are so many things you can learn from like Dolly too where it's like it's a lot of layering if you look at it you have an element here and element here in the foreground and maybe they're all in focus still but like still it's like it's layered um, objects with different meanings with symbolism and different lighting patterns like so there's stuff to learn there for even simpler stuff like Magritte, you know, w- w- would like, I don't know, a painting of like, what was it? Shattered glass and stuff like that. And uh, there's a window and like there's shattered glass and the shattered glass shows the outside too. It's like, which is impossible, but like it technically isn't impossible with photography. So it's like, I think having some visual cues and understanding of that while, I mean, if you're a surrealist, Photographer. I just dropped my mic. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, there we go. That was a big okay? issue. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm fine. Perfect. Oh man. There we go. Thank God. Can you hear me well? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, I can hear. Okay. You. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. So what I wanted to say was, yeah, there, there's stuff that you can learn from them still. Uh, yeah. I'm not. Maybe not like directly directly but do you also take inspiration from movies because there are so many famous movies um and directors in japan who can we learn 
a lot from mm. like for example Akira Kurosawa is it something mm. you personally mm. do like I don't know like take screenshots from the movies or something like that some I don't directly um reference movie stills when I take photos but I I'm more invested in the idea of that film I would say um what am I getting to like I'm I'm a big fan of David Lynch for example mm -hmm. and um his use of well different films have different strengths I think for him but his use of like sound and his use of images or or, or you know clips that seem irrelevant to each other but for some reason flow well um is also something that he does well and to me it's it's all like a matter of of how he's portraying his storytelling and his ideation of the scene so it's not that direct where it's like i'm visually inspired by these things but cinema is great because you have a mixture of everything you got the you know the images flowing and you have different cuts flowing into each other and you have the sound um kind of mysterious. so it's a little bit more yeah 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 there's more there's more leeway for creating you know mystery and and and, and tension there but i would say like after starting like youtube though like i it, i do study cinema a lot just because of it's like you know i'm more lost in 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 video than i am in photography so so to yeah. study video i do watch a lot of movies right now but yeah, yeah. Th those are uh those are so-called classical movies right but i know uh japanese anime is a big part of the culture right mm -hmm. and uh, given that the possibilities of the visual composition are much more flexible in that. Mm. Is it something you take an inspiration from? Because like um, when we talk about the, the obvious masters like uh, Hayao Miyazaki or for example mm. uh, Makoto Shinkai, because I often mm. find myself to just stopping the frame and thinking like, wow, well, this is like impossible composition. But, you know, in, in yeah. some... Uh, type of or some type of environment I might be able to achieve something like this and I I, I personally find it very inspirational it's uh, a good question anime uh, I I there's a few comics and like I guess that ended up being uh, animated too that I really like but in terms of like visual inspiration not much um, it's and I think a lot of the images <laughs> that uh that i take i don't think they're dark but they're they're a little bit more see i i think like anime especially like shinkai makoto and hayao miyazaki with like ghibli is like they're very popish they're very bright and they're very structured they're structured really well so i mean there's uh, something to learn there right as you said like that's such an ideal world i would of, say it's something between painting and movies right because when you see the concept art they usually start with the scene which they paint yeah and then then they expand on that exactly yeah yeah i would say yeah there's stuff to learn there but for my images i just they're so different that i can't imagine like being able to reference them um w one thing is just like 
animation is crazy because if you look at like a photograph or, or cinema, it's like there's a limit with like dynamic range and how oh, yeah. light works. But when you look at like animated stuff, then it's like, <laughs> it's funny. I, I made a joke with a friend before. It's like, man, the dynamic range on that camera is crazy. <laughs> Where it's just like, cause just like everything is light, light, like lit perfectly. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, it can, it can show you a good example of what good structure might be, but for like photography and cinema, it's like, it's a deal breaker, I think, because <laughs> it's impossible. But, yeah, yeah, it's not like they would, you know, paint a wrong exposure by accident, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because like, even for like paintings, like they can, most painters do consider like how light works and how shadows fall into certain places. But animations, like sometimes not even, that's not even the case, or just like, Everything's a dream world. Well, I guess it depends <laughs> on if depends on the, if yeah. it's real or if it's more like dreamlike, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess I just don't. Th- sorry. Yeah. Probably I just don't think of animation too much. I, I guess. Yeah. Come to think of it, maybe I should though. <laughs> but it did influence you, right? Because I guess it influences everyone who lives in in Japan. Or who that's true. Um, that is true. I think. Um, I learned that I am a terrible illustrator and (laughs) artist. Um, through me trying to draw my favorite manga, comic book heroes. Yeah, manga heroes. When I was like end of elementary, mid middle school. Like I had a friend that ended up being. He's a really famous illustrator right now and comic book artist in Japan now. And uh, we we had so many common comic books that we loved, and we would like trade images. But his would be so much better than mine, <laughs> and I would be so fucking bad at it. And it's just like, man, I can't do this. I'm I'm I just can't be an artist. Um, so it was my first. I guess that's my first failure as an artist. But so yeah, in that sense, we do grow up with it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, let's get back to more. Uh-huh. Photography stuff. So, uh, as someone who shot more than a thousand rolls of film with uh, your Leica M6, I believe, what are the advantages of film? What do you like about it? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question, I think. Um, there's a lot. Um, I still miss it, actually. You know, um, shooting digital is so different. Especially, um, it also depends on, you know, what film stock you're shooting on, I think. If you're shooting color negative film and better color negative film maybe like something like portrait or something the obvious benefit is dynamic range i think <clears throat> and that's something that um digital doesn't have to offer usually um it's way different it's way different but also um i think getting like good colors in like mundane situations too like i think I guess you can call it something like micro contrast maybe, but film has that so much better in digital, not all the time, but from at least from my, my eye, like the lighting situation and, and color contrast needs to be really good in reality in order for it to be a good image there. Mm-hmm. But with film, I don't know. It, it, it does catch the nuances of light much better than digital, I think, um, where like you can look at, let's see, what's a good example? Um, 
So can you actually like even like sorry yeah. about that? Can you actually no, you know, when I show you like two photographs, do you think you would be or if you see it on your photographs, do you think you would be able to tell? Okay, this was this was uh, taken on a film. This is digital. Or do you think the outcome is probably the same? Apparently, um, people can't tell. <laughs> so, like, when people look at my images, some people assume it's film where it's like they look at, like, look back at some of my old stuff and it's like, oh, did you shoot with a cue? It's like, no, that's film. And then they look at my photos now and it's like, oh, this is with film. It's like, no, it's with the cue. Um, so, apparently, some people can't tell. Um, for me, I think I can tell. I think. Unless you're able to edit your photos really well, I think. Uh, but again, like it also depends on the film stock, right? I think um, positive film works more like digital um, in in a in a manner that you know you need to preserve highlights a little bit more in order to get good color, and the range is more similar than negative film, I think. So yeah, again, it depends on film stock too. Okay. Yeah. And then the process is probably different in in terms of you have to wait much longer before you actually see your images, right? I guess, yeah. Which, But it's funny because when I was shooting film, I would send it off to um, a processor every week, you know, like a dozen of rolls or something. And then I'd get it back and scan them really soon. Um, so the, turn, the, the, the turnover is like, maybe I'd see the images like in a week or a week and a half. But now like with my digital images, I, I kind of let it sit in an SD card for like a month. So it's like, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it depends on your approach, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't, so for me, there's not much of a difference there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. if you could give an advice to yourself when you started with photography, would you, do you still start it with film? Yes. Yeah, I would. I would. I would definitely. 100%. And should um, someone that, starting with photography today start with film? Oh, I don't think they have to. Um, I. It was important for me because I learned control, I think, um, with a photograph to understand more of what I'm doing, what the camera's doing to the, to the scene, how a camera and a lens interprets a scene, um, you know, what things like ISO and film stocks um, and very specific shutter speeds do um, to how an image looks like. Those things were learned well, I think, through um, film. And also like scanning too, like scanning thousands of rolls too was, I think, pretty important um, in understanding things like color and what neutral good colors might be. Um, yeah, and that's something that I strive for digital work too. So, okay, I watched uh, a lot of your videos during the preparation for this interview. So, uh, this is, this <laughs> is a question I, I wanted to ask: Is Leica Q still the best street photography camera for you? <laughs> I say best just because you know it's YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, I don't know. Um, I've I've actually been discussing that with myself for a while now, just because like again, um, I think this social conditions with the pandemic has changed um, ways people shoot as well. With a 28 mil, you know, 
you got to get somewhat close to people or somewhat close to whatever subject you're taking photos of, I think. But now everything seems so detached and everything seems so far away, um, both physically and emotionally, that sometimes I think using a wide angle, at least for me, isn't the answer um, for the current status. So I don't know. Um, so I've been using a few zoom lenses recently, too, with different cameras and honestly shooting with whatever I have. Um, so it's the bet. I mean, it's a good camera. It's okay. it's still really good. I think it's it's still totally fine. I have a few images still that you know I'm I've taken with it that I really like. Um, even this year, but yeah, there's so many options these days, right? With cameras, that it's really hard to say. Is they're all good cameras these days. It just sometimes it's a little bit overcomplicated. I think. Yeah, like, like Rika is, I would say, really popular among street photographers. Maybe because yep. of its size. Yeah, yeah. No, I personally find it like really convenient because you can actually have it with you. Because with my M body, uh, it's not like I can take it like twenty four seven. If you know what I mean, like yeah, first of yeah. all, it's, it's, not it's, it's bigger and it's also more expensive. So you kind of, I wouldn't say I babysit it like too much, but you know, I mm-hmm. kind of feel like I don't want to just throw it into my bag and be like whatever. Yeah. And no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I know you owned uh, a multiple Leica cameras, right? You have a Q. I don't know if you still have M6. You have. I have it. Yeah, I've I haven't been using it too much, but I do have the M6. Yeah. You also had an M9, right? So what is previously? It, yeah. I, what is yeah. it about Leica that you like? Um, honestly, right now I'm not too. No, I like camera. I like like the cameras but you know in terms of like price point and what i want to do it's not all the answers that i want right now previously i guess the idea the first like that i got was an m6 and that i the concept behind that was um it so before that i was shooting with a contacts g2 and then um that's kind of a range finder i guess um but what i learned was that um it was a little bit like too fast for me. Um, and I, I learned that I want to learn how to compose photos better and I want to be able to learn uh, manual focusing a bit more for to have more control over the photographs I'm taking. Um, so kind of that process of simplification um, did lead me to getting the M6 just because it, it was an answer to a lot of the questions that I had within my photography. Um, and optical viewfinders I like a little bit more but yeah with the Q the idea was that well I think the colors and the rendition from the Q are really nice um I honestly I I can't see it too confidently but at least to me I can tell that they are nice colors and they're nice images um and again it's a matter of like simplification and it's not too big it's full frame but it's not too big um so the system overall is a good package i think you know it's funny because people think leicas are expensive which is true you know but if you're thinking of something like a q right now you know that camera you can get it for like i don't know like three thousand four thousand dollars maybe the, the which is expensive yeah 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 or the Q2, it's probably like 4,000, 5,000 or something like that right now, right? But it's like if you look into the other cameras these days, they're all they're equally as expensive. Like 
R5, R6, Sony cameras, like you're going to get a lens too. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that ends up being like 3,000, 4,000 or more dollars anyways. It's it's kind of the same, honestly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's expensive, but like so is everything fucking else these days, right? Fuzis are a little bit cheaper, so that's why they're a bit more popular. But but still, they're all the same. Yeah, yeah because I'm not sure if this is mostly a thing in Japan, but I was stopped multiple times on streets and... People told me, like, you have a nice camera. Is it Leica? Mm. Or maybe just people in Japan are, you know, more polite than <laughs> in other countries. But it, like, never happens to me, like, anywhere else to be stopped by people. because, And it seems like Leica is recognized, I would say, like, widely recognized among Japanese people. Or maybe they were mm. just being polite because I was foreigner and had a camera. Maybe, yeah. I don't get stopped too much. You know, people do look at your camera, though, I think. Um, <clears throat> do, do people realize it? I guess. Because with I, I feel like it's sometimes, or it can be seen like uh, it is a luxury object sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, which which is funny because I've never thought of it that way. Um, and they're, they're just, for me, it's a tool to take photos and I beat my cameras up, so it's like they they last long too, which is I'm pretty something I'm pretty happy about. But I think after using them for years and years, and now like I'm shooting with other stuff too, I do appreciate how Leicas look. Honestly, <laughs> now just because like like if you I'll spend also, like, so much time with the with the tool, you uh, kind of you know it has to be something nice. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And it's built really well. That's that's one thing too. It's like I can like when I touch other cameras now, like I can tell the build quality difference. Um and th- another thing is like I like clothes too. So I, I like nice clothes. Whether they look good on me or not doesn't matter. It's it's a nice piece of clothes and I I, I highly appreciate good craftsmanship. But like if I'm wearing nice clothes and I have a shitty looking camera on me, then it's like kinda kind of ruining it so it's like i i guess for me to right now it's like in a way something built nice is i mean that wasn't the reason i got it in the first place but i do appreciate it yeah <laughs> yeah and maybe it's uh because i didn't quite uh, you know grow into into this this price point but uh like yeah. i have my leica and i wouldn't say, I, i wouldn't say i i treasure it or uh like babysit it too much but i was buying uh the other day or was about to buy uh 28 i think like mm. samilax or something and then the guy was like uh yeah it's almost like a mint like a new and it was like like bottle scared like it was like you know so so damaged and he he was like yeah i'm using it so that's why it looks how it looks and when i look at my lens it's like It looks like a new new one, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, kind of like I can understand, but it's still with uh, with those cameras." I I feel sometimes more comfortable when I take like a recall, and then just mm-hmm. you know throw it into my bag. And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay, something might happen, but it's not you know that big of a deal." Yeah, yeah, but it's. I think that's a smart way of doing it. I I've. I'm really bad at treating my cameras, so my cue is kind of acting up on me these days. So I which does make me think that I should take more care of it. <laughs> so 
yeah, I, but I, I love agree with if you. people can actually like get over this honeymoon phase and actually like because I feel you can then enjoy more the camera because you you are mm. like more comfortably using it. Oh yeah, definitely. That's something that you really I think with cameras um, in photography, that's something that really needs to happen where you need to be comfortable using it. And, you know, you need to use it for a certain amount of time in order to understand it a bit more. And that's something that I feel like is a kind of a pitfall of a photography YouTube where, you know, people are, you know, advising you to buy cameras every month. And, 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 but also like YouTube photographers too, you know, they switch out cameras so often that it's like, there's, it's hard to gain a level of consistency in what you're seeing in subject matter too, because you're switching up lenses and focal lengths and systems so many times. So that's something that I, I personally do work on where it's like, if I have a camera, I would, I, I try to spend years with it and see where it gets me. Okay. And as someone who also did uh, a portrait photography, can you tell me what is the most important aspect or maybe can you give me some tips what to look for if, I decide I would like to take a portrait of someone either on street or Ooh. just my friend comes. I know like the basic rules, you know, focus on the eye. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I guess, man, that's, that's a hard question. Um, because, you know, I do take a good amount of portraits, but I, I would say like the, the vision I have is still close to somewhat close to like how I, how I look at candid photos too. It's like, to me, it's like, it still has to be a good photo <laughs> for it to be a good portrait, which, yeah. which does complicate things, I think. Um, but in terms of portraits, um, especially, um, if you're like more of a street or candid photographer, what I learned is that, um, it seems like, uh, street photographers and, or candid photographers, they don't, not, not all of them, um, when they, you know, some of them might be interested in taking portraits and so they start doing so. But I, I learned that like the the vision of of how they see that model or, or subject that they're taking photos of is a little bit kind of off sometimes. And I'm I'm thinking that that's because in a street or candid photo, um it depends on who you are, but um a lot of the time they or you are not thinking of um portraying the people in your photograph as beautifully as possible. You know, maybe they're doing something funny or it's like maybe they're making some stupid gesture that you thought was interesting. So inherently, the subject doesn't have to look beautiful. And that's something that doesn't translate well in portraits, I think, where it's like the subject needs to look beautiful or cool in their own manner. Um, you know, whatever scene you, or, or whatever, you know, frame you end up choosing or taking photos of, that's fine. But like still, if it's a portrait, like the person should look pretty damn beautiful in, okay. in their own manner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think trying to focus on that first is a big step. Um, and and once you nail that, then you can start having more of your ego in the photograph, <laughs> I think. Um, at least that's for me, that's how I feel. Because sometimes, you know, I, I you know, I get photos taken of by different photographers, too. For, for like modeling work too. And I can see where it's like, okay, this person understands how a person might or might not look good. But sometimes there are people that don't have that skill. And as, as someone that's being photographed, like that's not something that's too pleasant, honestly, you know? 
Do you think the appearance of the camera might affect the environment? Because there is a question uh, from the audience. Is it possible to do mm. candid shooting with something like 5D Mark IV plus sure. 85mm 1.4, which people spot from a mile away and react to my presence? I have been thinking of getting something small for that separately. Mm -hmm. I would say yes, um, but so but I'm referencing things right now. So it's like if you're thinking of people like Soul Lighter, who he did do that, but you know, his work was candid, but to an extent, like it's not so in your face. Um, you know, he's shooting from above, he's shooting from behind people, you know, and it's not like he's he's taking a photograph of a certain subject. Um, you know, to portray them in whatever way they, he wants. Also, um, other than that, like mindset of what kind of photos that you're taking. Also, I think social, like society has changed so much, especially like urban life. Now we have more people, honestly, and it's more crowded and people know what a camera is now more frequently. Like everyone knows what you're doing. <laughs> so that also comes into play. Um, so I think it's harder, you know, than before with big DSLRs, but you know, even with something smaller, like you're not fooling anyone. I think you're like, you know, you're still taking photos with a camera and that's even still... if you take your phone, right? People are going to notice. Yeah. Yeah. People still notice it. So, I mean, I think a lot of it, like it still matters, but I think a lot of it is more to do with like mentality and how you're approaching photographs and the scene that you're in. Because I, I know a few photographers that still use like big deal stars and they're an amazing candid photographer. So yeah, that's one of my theories, uh, theories that if you have this old looking Leica camera, you kind of looking like a tourist and it therefore becomes more stealth than when you have uh, like a, either like a phone because people don't pay attention to you because they think like you are a hipster or, or someone with mm. you know, an old camera. Uh, okay, so I also wanted to ask you about your YouTube channel. So mm. I know you have started taking pictures when you were like 20 years old or something like that. And But you have started your YouTube channel later right was youtube yeah. something you gradually evolved to or i mean was it strictly bind to photography or do you think had you been not taking pictures would you started a channel about something else mm. oh man that's that's a really good question because it's something that i i'm always wondering and questioning myself too um so I was interested in doing, uh, having a YouTube channel from way back, like eight, I don't know, like even 10 years ago when like it was just starting, like I was like, yo, I should do that. But honestly, like I just was so stupid. I, I didn't know how to. Um, and I, and I was, I think I'm a late bloomer. Like I, <laughs> I was really stupid growing up. Like I, I really didn't know what's going on. Um, and I think I'm a, I'm more smarter as a person now, <laughs> uh, regardless of what you think of me. Um, compared to before, I've grown a lot. I think, 
And so it was just all of those elements combined just made it, I think, impossible for me to to like coherently create a video and upload it on okay. YouTube. <laughs> um, and, but also it's like it's a matter of like subject matter, too. It's like 18 years old. What the hell are you going to talk about on YouTube? It's like, no, my life is fucking boring. It's like no one's going to be interested in this. Um, but now I think with photography. Um, yeah, I guess it 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 created confidence in myself that like I do have something to share. So I would say, yeah, the start of my channel, it was heavily um, perpetuated by my photography and, but also like where to, to an extent of like some level of being happy with, with um not satisfied, but being somewhat happy of um, how I've progressed as a photographer and how I started teaching people to through photography um, led me to make the channel too. And, but also having a few friends that are in the YouTube photography world um, advising me to do something about it. And that looks like maybe I shouldn't, right? Uh, but now, yeah, honestly, after I started it and now it's like, honestly, for me, it's it's always photography first. Um, so with YouTube, I, I try not to make the videos um, influence who I am as an artist and what photographs I take what stuff I buy or, or don't buy. Um, you know, I, I try to not have that influence my photography. And if I'm not taking good photos then I probably wouldn't make a video. Um, but for now, um, in terms of the content going forward, I'm pretty comfortable with it not being photography. Honestly, I, I think I'm, I'm a very scattered human being. I'm not an organized person. Okay. Um, so I think making videos about what I'm just interested in at that point makes the most sense for me just from who I am, you know, because always talking about photography is kind of corny and it's kind of, you know, I think it's boring. Um, and for me, it's not interesting. You know, like I, I watch some photography channels these days, but much less than before, just because like, I think, at this point, like photography wise, I know what I'm doing and I know what I want out of photography and what I'm trying to get. So it's, I'm not learning much from other channels. Um, so it's the same as my content. If I'm, if I don't see that my content is interesting for me, then it's, it's kind of hard to get the video out, I think. So that's but why you, that's, you, you picked your name as a channel name rather than, uh, I don't know, uh, Tokyo photography, something. Because that, then you would be bind to a certain type of content. Maybe, maybe that I don't know. I don't know what the idea was um, when I first made it, but perhaps, yeah. Um, I think I thought about that a bit. Yeah. What was the hardest part when you started? Was it? Was there something that you were like surprised? YouTube. Yeah, when you started YouTube. Mm. Because like from my experience when I did like a fifth take of the first video because my battery died and my mic wasn't mm. on and I, I froze all the time uh, talking to camera. So my first ever video is chopped into like thousand pieces where I'm yeah. unable to put a single sentence together in front of the camera. Yeah. Because I usually sound natural when i talk in person to person with someone <laughs> but in front of the camera i kind of felt like th that's something completely different 
I feel like mm-hmm. no one who has ever tried that can understand. No, I man, I agree. Yeah. I would say yeah, I mean I knew that I'm not a, I'm actually not a good speaker uh, and I'm not good at conveying my ideas especially when it comes to talking to a lens, right? <laughs> um, so that's something I had to get used to. It wasn't a surprise though, I think. It was it was a uh, expected um the sur- I guess the surprise with YouTube for me was one that, yeah, it has, I think it has helped me, um, with my speaking ability, um, as, as you make more videos, you feel more confident in what you're saying, less ums, less likes, less, you know, those, those habits because you catch them when you're talking or when you're editing, it's like, Oh man, I'm saying like again. Right. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing uh, that I am happy, actually, that I'm learning that I'm very happy with that I have started YouTube in the first place was that, again, I started a channel because um, pretty much of my ties with photography. But um, I, I'm I'm really glad that I'm able to connect with people that, like, even out of photography are interested in what I, what I am interested in. Like, a lot of the for some reason, a lot of people that follow me on Instagram and follow my photographs for some reason are interested in like similar music or, or, or interested in some of the artists that I'm interested in or, or recognize the clothes that I'm wearing, which is crazy. Right. And they're like, yo, I know those glasses are from this place. It's like, I know those shoes are from this seasons. And it's like, how do you know this shit? So it's (laughs) for me, it's just interesting. And it's been cool because it feels like you're making a bunch of new friends. Um, which I lack, so it's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's been a, it's so the next stuff. question from the Instagram, and I think it's only fitting to ask because uh, your channel is basically promoting health, photography, and metal, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when right. are you going to do a video where you cover Mastodon? I cover Mastodon. Oh man, I was just, and I should have worn my Mastodon T-shirt. Covering Mastodon, that's a hard one though. I, the equipment that I have is a little bit different from from like the really heavy stuff that Mastodon can play. But yeah, um, I hope um, I'm able to talk about music a little bit more on my channel though going forward. Somehow, I don't know how, but yeah. Is it something maybe like a dream project uh, to shoot a metal band or something like that? Yo, that you know, would be during a tour, would... like tour. I think. I've, I've thought about this a bit too, where it's like, if I can go on tour with a band that I like, or, 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 um, I don't know, some person that I think is cool. Cause I like musicians for different reasons. Sometimes like I like John Mayer too, because of, well, I like some of his music he makes, but more of like from like who he is and what, like the clothes that he likes and shit like that. So it's like, for me, if I'm able to somehow connect my photography with music there. That would be really nice. Um, yeah, I guess that's a long-term uh, hope that I have then. But. <laughs> okay. Can I ask you about your tattoos? Because even though tattoo is nothing strange, right? And my brother has uh, a lot of them, maybe more mm. tattooed than, you know, not. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. In Japan, uh, it's mm. not that common, right? Yeah, not that common. It's getting a little bit more common than before. Like before, if you see someone with a tattoo, it's like, oh, 
he's gonna kill me right but now it's, <laughs> from yakuza yeah 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 but now it's a little bit more acknowledged i think because i i've noticed uh yeah. you can't go to onsen or something like that if you yeah, tattoos. yeah is it still like yeah. a thing or is it more still uh, is still yeah. is mostly yeah sometimes like they give you like a sticker oh wow. to cover it but but the thing is like it's it's like this big so it's like if that doesn't cover it then you're kind of out anyway so <laughs> but that's not really the point matter. for other people to not see the tattoo isn't it like what, what yeah no exactly original yeah. point to not get like a you know fights in in onsen right or something like that yeah it's basically decades or centuries back <laughs> only yakuza people had tattoos Okay. Um, and they they like for some reason those people love onsens, so it's like they just like stay there and and they'd have meetings sometimes traditionally like yakuza meetings in in the onsen because it's maybe more of a private place. Um, <clears throat> but that's obviously not the case now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So just so yeah, the idea behind banning people with tattoos were specifically targeted towards Japanese mafia, not. And having them not in, you know, their own sins and doing meetings. <laughs> okay. Because when I was in a hotel in Tokyo, uh, there was like onsen and then it was mainly for tourists. So no one really mm-hmm. cared about, like, no mm. one really cared about if, you know, I don't know, Americans or Europeans come with tattoos. It wasn't really a problem. Yeah, that's still pretty rare, I think. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. So, uh, what if if you are comfortable talking about it? What are your tattoos about? Oh man, oh, yeah, it's it's so funny though. I had a friend ask me a few days ago, and man, every time someone asks me this, I get I get frozen, <laughs> just because like for me it has meaning, right? Okay. But then when I try to verbalize it. And it's like, oh shit, this is so corny. Uh, we don't have to talk about <laughs> like, it if as, you don't want. But I just, I but just no, it's, saw it's okay, it. It's okay. Uh, and you never I, talk I, about I it say, in your uh, in your videos, right? I don't. I I don't think I talk about it. Uh, well, but I I would say so. I have right now. I have three. I don't know if it's gonna increase yeah. or not. I have one. This one that I got first though, um, was uh, I, it's funny. I until. A year and a half ago, I used to work this like really, really white collar corporate job. You know, I worked in like a big consulting firm actually, and um, I guess the perception of uh, having a big tattoo, oh no, being an art, me being an artist or trying to be an artist and and getting better at what I'm doing in terms of like photography and, and just art in general. And working a very normal corporate job, that that gap to me was so both intriguing, but also tearing me apart <laughs> mentally. I think um, I still do some corporate gigs, but but you know it's different when you're having an actual nine to five and working overtime and shit like that. But I think that that kind of having two sides to me, um, and and also. I don't know, trying to live up to my art a little bit more really made me consider get a tattoo. Um, 
but also because you know it's funny it's like that it, it, it seems like that has so much meaning too but but also because you know i think my first album that i got when i was six or seven years old my first album that i got was a Marilyn manson album and the next one was like limp biscuit and it's like rage against the machine that's when i was like eight or nine years old and you know these guys did a shit ton of tattoos right um so that's also a thing where i think it's funny um when i showed my mother on my first tattoo that i got she was like what happened to you it's like you're the kid that you know doesn't smoke doesn't do drugs and no tattoos and it's like oh it's group there right um, <laughs> but it's like you know fucking give me a break because i don't i barely i've never smoked i don't do drugs i barely drink i now i don't even drink it's like just let me have this at least right it's like all the bands that i love they all have tattoos too so it's like it's kind of it, it like to me it's like there's mental and emotional meaning to the tattoo but it's also kind of like i just it's just kind of who i am too i guess uh, and your father is american right yeah he's american D yeah. does he have yeah. tattoos no not at all um it's funny I think when I was growing up, my father was more against tattoos than my mother. Well, it wasn't like it wasn't on like pen on paper or anything. But but from what I've heard, my dad was pretty against tattoos. But now he's kind of chillaxed a bit more. Uh, getting old, you know, getting old uh, okay. makes you a little bit more relaxed. A related things, right? question. Are Pacific Islands traditions related to Japanese tattoo traditions? Weren't there Yakuza who kept tattooed skin as wall pieces? Oh. That you're asking me that? No, someone asking. Someone asking. Oh. Probably you because. Well, they, <laughs> well, I don't know, but they look visually very similar, don't they? And also, um, the way, you know, they, they engrave these sometimes is just with like a, uh, how do you call it? You know, it's not with like the tattoo, the, the, the with modern the tattooers stick? like they do yeah with like hand right okay and sometimes the method is the same isn't it with um those pacific island tattoos and, and the ones in japan did you Kibori? get your Kibori? tattoos yeah. done with the bamboo stick no man i, I heard <laughs> it really hurts no i, was, yeah, I can imagine i got that. it from like a very i got it from a more like there's this dude that um trained in australia and had his parlor for a few years there came back to Japan and he does like surrealist tattoos and that's like he's like one of a kind in Japan so I go to him a lot. Thank you once again for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe whenever you're listening to it. Please give this podcast a five star rating, review and please take a screenshot and throw it out on your Instagram stories so other people might find it as well. Come back next week because I will be talking with W. Scott Olson about minimalist photography. I'm very happy you are tuning in for another episode of podcast about photography. Until next time.